Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Play 92.9 ESPN. Now, 92.9 FM ESPN presents Memphis's biggest columnist. You ain't got to do nothing, homeboy. You ain't writing nothing. <laughs> no, you ain't. ain't writing nothing. I ain't letting him write. He ain't getting no interviews. It's the award-winning Jeff Calkins from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show. I don't get no interviews. I know. I'm good. I'm good. On 92.9 FM ESPN. Gentlemen, this is something they call a groundbreaker. So let me first apologize to the shots and the ties for your makeup. Cause I make you ugly. As soon as it drops, we're on a rampage. Bubbles popping up before you know where. This rubble and dust, this will be pushing it up. Somebody say, you better yeah. Come on, everybody, have some money, Happy uh, Football Week. Happy Trade Deadline. Jeffrey, are we going to call this Super Bowl Week or NBA Trade Deadline Week? I guess it is Super Bowl Week, isn't it? As, as big as the Trade Deadline Week. Are you maybe, serious? It's Super Bowl Week. Well, it's also Trade Deadline Week. Yeah, but like, like what, what, is, what is everyone calling it? It'd be Super Bowl it's Week. Super Bowl Week. It is Super Bowl Week. Yeah, but it's, it's eventful. I, the truth of the matter is, it's a pint. Probably not that eventful for your Memphis Grizzlies, right? I mean, even if, like if you were if you were wondering if some big trade would be pulled off by the Grizzlies, the biggest thing that happened probably already happened. It's I think that's happen I think that's likely. Although you could talk me into because that deal got made, there is another one coming down the pipe. But I think you're right. I think the most the the biggest headline trade will be that one. Yeah. Well, it is uh, NBA trade deadline week. That's Thursday. Uh, but it's also Super Bowl week, and so uh, we have arrived with a certain sense of sadness uh, last week uh, to think about uh, actual football games um, before the long, dry period of no football games. Ah, showboats just in time. The schedule dropped this morning, Jeffrey. Did you see that? So I've seen the email. I've seen the email. Obviously, yeah. I haven't like taken my highlighter. Of course, oh. looked at looked at all the the away games, the road splits. I have scrutinized I mean, it. I have scrutinized it. Well, I'm. I of course I'm. I'm I've been in the car since five uh, five a.m. Eastern. So, so uh, four a.m. our time. 
Yeah, so I had plenty of time. I've had plenty of time to scrutinize the schedule, not as I've been at the wheel. Today, by the way, on the radio show, um, I will be joining. Uh, I'll be I'll be here uh, uh, for the first segment, and then we have such extraordinary guests, Dan Devine, back. Uh, rejoined us last week, and uh, and he celebrates trade deadline week. And Dan Devine will be joining us in the next segment, and then Chris Harrington straight up at ten o'clock. Chris has a piece up um, about. Uh, about the Grammys uh, and the local Grammy winners, because there were some. Um, and so you can ask Chris about that as well as everything else. Deanie Parker um, and Robert Gordon won for Best Album, Knows Best Historical Album. And Julian Baker, uh, uh, part of the group Boy Genius, also won. Uh, but you can talk to Chris about all the local, uh, about the local winners, Grammys last night. But anyway, we got, so we got Dan Devine, and then we got Chris Harrington, and then I will be rejoining the show after that. So we've got a really busy day today, as we seem to on most Mondays. Did you, there in the right family, did you watch the Grammys? So we had the Grammys on a side TV. I was very <laughs> passively... What in the world is on the main TV, for God's sakes? Uh, we were watching, uh, let's see, last night we watched... Ted, the TV show the uh, that's based on the movie about the teddy bear with Seth MacFarlane. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, we watched The Crown until my wife fell asleep, and then I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I imagine. Uh, it'd be interesting. You haven't seen any, any Grammy ratings out. I, 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 Grammys, as an award show goes, you know, they, they've got usually really interesting live performances, right? Whatever you think of the awards themselves, there's their live performances. And yeah, I mean, night. it's it's definitely more of 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 all the award shows that try to celebrate what like that try to like uh, right. replicate what they're celebrating. It's by far the best because there's and, and well, it lends itself to do it. You can you can you you can't perform a movie. Uh, well, at, like at you can't just like, and, like, and like let's perform some scenes. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, and so it it lends itself, but then. Now, on top of that, you've got the Taylor Swift mania that is sweeping the nation, really sweeping the world. And so there she is, um, album of the year, announcing her new album, uh, which some people found off-putting. Other people, I have no opinion on whether it's appropriate or inappropriate to announce your new album. There's a sense of, my goodness, she certainly has been busy. Uh, but but, um, but I, I think most the consensus is the highlight was Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs um, singing together, Fast Car, which was really brilliant, I thought. Uh, but we'll get Chris's thoughts when, when he joins the show. So uh, Grammys last night, it is trade deadline week. It is also Super Bowl week. And we will try to get to some of that during the course of this show. More of that, uh, obviously, um, as, the week, as the week goes on. Um, I did think, though, we would start with the Memphis Tigers. And I have to say, uh, I'm winging my way back from northern Michigan. All right, I'm winging, vanning. I'm vanning my way back uh, from northern Michigan. As that game was unfolding, it is interesting. And we'll get to Penny's comments after the game later, in just a little bit. But here's the truth. Unless you're a like a 
bitter Ole Miss fan or something or a bitter Tennessee fan or whatever. There are, there are people in Memphis who root against the University of Memphis basketball team, but not many. Like, everyone. Like, so when people talk about, quote-unquote, the negativity, no one embraces it. It is, like, everyone wants that team to succeed. Everyone wants Penny Hardaway to succeed, given the icon that he is. Um, And so as that game was unfolding, it was once again just agonizing. 24 points in the first half against a crappy Wichita State team that you just beat the hell out of on the road, and now you're home. You're down 14 with 7.55 to go. Down 14 with 7.55 to go. You're looking at potentially a fifth straight loss, a third straight home loss. Fifth straight loss had not happened since 1999. A complete, utter implosion upon implosion. It was absolutely <laughs> scaring. To say it was scary, they'd already hit disaster. Whatever's beyond disaster, they were staring that in the face. Oh, I mean, I think I think you were staring collapse, like the the type of like quitting on a season. I think you were staring yeah. that in the face. And and listen, you will not hear me this year. I'm not saying you will never hear me that it is time for Penny Hardaway to step aside or whatever else, but you will not hear from that from me this year. You would have heard it from lots of folks. I'm not saying in the media, honestly, like Penny will occasionally criticize the media. It's not the media who are the toughest critics, right? It's no, in fact, a lot of times, like we, we take a lot of heat for not turning up the heat when things are bad. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is, you can find people who will say, let me find it on the Tiger, on, the, on, the, on their Facebook page. I'm not watching till Penny's gone. You can find people who will say that. I can't, t- I, I can't find a media member who would say that. I can't find a media member who would say that it's time for Penny to go. I can't say even uh, whatever. And, and even had they lost. But you would have started to, like, you know, that, that conversation about, oh, my God, where is this going? This is a total to like it would have accelerated and it would have continued to accelerate and it would have continued to accelerate and it would have been once again i we weren't going to open the phones today to once again take uh to trauma bond over memphis tiger losses and figure out what went wrong and where the blame is or whatever else we were going to do that because we got a busy show but that would have been the mood and then somehow in the last 755 they go on a 25-9 to nine run and pull it out, stave off further disaster, winning 65-63. to 63. And the two big moments, the biggest moments, of course, Javon Quinterly, who was at the time... I think 0 for 0 8. 12. Oh, yeah, no, it was 0 for 12. 12. Okay. He was 0 of 12. Like, I feel pretty good. Among the shooters on that team... Javon Quinterly lining up a three is all the one, among the ones who make me feel most comfortable, maybe most comfortable, but not on this day, not when he's already 0 of 12 from the field, um, 0 of 12 from the field, trailing with 44 seconds left. 
and he drains it. Just absolutely, as Bill Rafferty would say, Rafferty would say, onion, 63-62. Is it possible to be onions if you're 0-12 when you hit your next one? Is that is that fit, or is that just... Uh, uh, it, it, I don't know what that is, but I mean, I, I guess that that's shot, like the that's unbridled confidence. I guess I will say, for a guy that was zero for twelve, looked good too. Yeah, you felt pretty good about it when he released uh, it. The moment, as they say, the moment it left his hand, like yeah. it looked. Yeah. Um. So then you got the foul, uh, which the state hits one of two. And uh, I mean, let, David Jones. let's be clear, Wichita State help helped this cause oh. in the same way that there are losses here. That, that yes, hundred percent. The, uh, the same way that Memphis has helped the cause, Wichita yeah. State returned the favor. Was, was absolutely a full participant in this. Uh, he wanted to, um, and that that means that David Jones, when he takes his game-winning jumper, um, there's a little less pressure. Right at that point, because yeah, because he was uh, going to overtime. Right, you, yeah, you knew if you missed, yeah. overtime. So if you're saying which was the more clutch shot, I think the Quinterly shot was the was the what was the if you just like look inside yourself, what, what does it take to make that shot? I think that's probably the tougher shot. Uh, but then David Jones uh, hits the winner with 2.8 seconds left, and the Tigers escape with the victory. Um, so, the question is, my God, first of all, let's just say thank God. Thank God for the win uh, and, uh, and and for all the players who have been under such pressure. Um, shout out to them. You know, there's a lot of talk in the, in the postgame about the huddle. You know, the huddle with 7.55 left um, that, that the look in their eyes. You know, before... Penny said, there's, there's, there's chaos in huddles here. It's like, we can still win it. We're going to go win it. And so the question will be, Jeffrey, at the end of the season, are we going to look back on this last 755, that huddle, as the turning point, when the Tigers found out, found themselves again, when they reached down deep and realized that they needed each other to win these games. They, 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 they once again reclaimed their top ten version of themselves and, and rode that to victory. And it was in a season of highs and lows, it was the moment that turned it around and that catapulted this team into the NCAA tournament. Or... Will we look back at that moment as, eh, you know what happened in that moment? David Jones decided to, like, take a lot of shots, and as he can, he made those shots. I mean, hell, he scored 16 of the last 26. And, sure, if David Jones is hot, they'll win games. They will also lose games. Nothing really has changed. They escaped with a win. What changed is that this Monday morning is not as gloomy as it would otherwise be. But there's still the deeply flawed and honestly fractured Memphis Tigers. Of those two scenarios, and let's be clear, we prefer scenario A. Which is the more likely? I think the more likely scenario B, because in the end, 
this was one in seven Wichita State. You survived at home to be to beat the team that is tied for last. Yeah, I I hate to say it, it, it is the more likely, and it's the more likely just because, as you point out, you you beat a Wichita State team that had one conference win. You had to hang on, and it took their participation in order to do it. And the schedule gets tougher now. It, 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 it's not like well, you've got we Temple. And then it gets you know, I, I don't mean immediately now, yeah. But I mean between now, there's nine games left, and those games include two against Florida, uh, against Florida Atlantic, right? You're at SMU. Uh, you got Charlotte. You got the, you've got you the got North, Texas North Texas road. You got the North Texas road trip. Road where, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's the it's. I guess you could say that the there are things, by the way, that you can pick out of this game that give me some. Beyond just what happened in the last eight minutes, um, there are things that that you're like, oh, that 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 that's that's better. That's much better. Like for example, they won the rebounding battle, forty-five to thirty-three. For example, they held Wichita State to thirty-five percent shooting, thirty-five point six percent shooting. Better, right? Uh, for example, Quinterly, even though he uh, he was uh, couldn't hit a shot until he hit the big one. Eight assists, one turnover. You know that what well, you hadn't had that many assists since which trustee last time. Yeah, and so there are things in the midst of that that you're like, okay, like, like those are good. I that those all go to scenario A. But if you're being honest with yourself, the more likely scenario is that they lose. You know, look, three games, right? And, and three games is, is kills you. Three games. If they lose three of these next nine, they won't be getting an automatic win. Yeah, I think that's likely. And I think the likeliness is that they will lose three more games. Now, the nice thing is is that is that as Penny talked about afterwards, you now have positive tape to show them. You have something positive to build on. And one of the points that came through in that entire presser watching the players and Penny was and, and and you could see this the pressure that like I, it, I know they're getting paid I know they're you know they've all experienced and whatever you know they're experienced players they get paid all this stuff they got that aisle money they still very clearly did feel the pressure and the pressure was influencing their performance I don't have any doubt about that like you watch the last game, the first, the first half of the last, that was a team that was crumbling under the pressure. And so, honestly, even the first half of this game, like they, the ineptitude offensively from this presumably gifted offensive team, I think a lot of that is because of the pressure they were putting on themselves. And this does alleviate just getting a W, alleviate some of that pressure. And and a team that is capable of losing four in a row, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to win the next nine, but this very team has won ten in a row, right? I mean, so yes, it's not impossible. And you know who's not on that schedule? Purdue, <laughs> you know, North Carolina. It is still the AAC. And so I, I'm not convinced 
that there it's fixed. But I guess the last eight minutes gave us reason to hope for another day that it's fixed. I'd say I don't know. The last eight minutes gave you reason to keep watching. Yeah, to see what happens next. All right. Um, so then, uh, in addition to all that, there was a fairly memorable penny uh, after the game was over. Often he'll come in and he'll just say, you know, a little bit of this and that, nothing particular, and then he'll take questions. Here he very had very clearly had some things he wanted to get off his chest, and uh, and I thought we should listen to it. Here's Penny after the game. Um, I just want to start off by saying that um, I'm very appreciative to, appreciative to the people who have stuck by us during this hard time. It's been a very hard time for us the last four games. You can pinpoint a lot of things, but um, the one thing that I do know is that God doesn't make mistakes. And through all of the, um, the negativity or what's warranted, what's not warranted throughout this whole entire thing is these are still kids and they can have bad days. They can have bad games. They can have bad weeks. That doesn't mean that disconnection happens between a coach and a player because you're losing now. It's happened to plenty of teams over the years. It just seems like everything gets heightened here at Memphis. Um, I do this, man, because this was – I was chosen for this, not by the University of Memphis, but by God, honestly, to take this job when it was at its lowest moment. And the stuff that I read is really laughable, but I do respect everybody in here. I respect the entire city. I only want to do well for the city. I'm the first person that's going to be the hardest on myself when I don't do well for the city. It guts me because I want our city to be known for something other than what it's known for. I want this team to be the team, along with the Grizzlies, to help everybody around the city be happy because we know there are some tough times going on right now. So when we go on a four-game losing streak, man, I, I get no sleep. I'm as hard on myself as anybody. Um, I'm not. We're not trying to do it. Uh, and you can always work yourself out of situations. But I do know that everybody has an opinion, and I try not to go by that opinion. I just know that God is real and there's a plan for this team. And uh, I'm happy that I'm coaching this team, the best team I've coached. Uh, we got into a slump. It's called a slump, and now we get out of it with a tough, tough win. But the fashion in which we did so is who we are, and hopefully we'll be that moving forward. So I'm happy that we got the win in the fashion that we did. Now we have some positive tape to watch and uh, be able to move forward. All right. There's a lot uh, in that statement, and I'm going to get to some of it. I think the, for me, the biggest takeaway is you really do. Uh, again, I, I, there are parts of that statement that I, I don't. I, I'll, I'll quibble with a little bit, but the guts of it is how much Penny cares about this program, and I do think when you why Penny is evaluated the way he is, why he actually, people are easier on him than they would on another coach, why everyone wants him to see so much, is that they know that he's coming from that place. You know, this is different than Hugh Freeze at Auburn, for example, right? Like, it, whatever. Hugh Freeze got a big deal. He's at Auburn, whatever else. I'm not saying he doesn't care to win at Auburn. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But, like, Penny is truly invested in the University of Memphis and invested in the larger community in a way that is really rare for a college coach, football or basketball. And so to I use your example, if Hugh Freeze got offered a better job, he would probably take it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just like 
the fact that Penny believes that God chose him for this job is he's not going to go off to North Carolina State. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's, he's just, it's just everything about Penny and his relationship to this job is different than your typical coach. And it's why he's evaluated differently. It's why if it fails, honestly, it's going to feel more painful. Um, because it starts from this place that I believe is 100% authentic of deep caring about the community and the university and the basketball program. And that, I think, is, is my biggest takeaway. That's the, the message that comes through all of that. Now, are there some, like, it, 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 it's, it's sort of bizarre to hear Penny talking about the negativity when he's the one who started with the negativity. Like, it was literally after the South Florida game when Penny, like, it was a bad loss, right? It was like, oh, that was a bad loss. Look what happened in the second half. But then we walk into the press conference, and Penny is just ripping his team. Yeah. You know? Like, like it's all this. I, I actually kids, thought, like. They're still kids. They're slumped, whatever. Bad day. Just yesterday, he was telling us they were selfish. <laughs> they're, no, you know, my they're, thing about the South Florida loss was, like, in my head, I knew it was a bad loss, but then when you get to Penny's pressure, it's like, whoo, he really thought it was a bad loss. Yeah, like no one has been tougher on the players who Penny is now saying they're just kids and they're in a slump than Penny. Agreed. Like Penny is the one who started ripping them from the first place and has honestly consistently ripped them. And so, um, and again, the, the, uh, the, the, the notion that Penny is treated – um, negatively in this town is just laughable. Um, if he were Joe Smith and he had one tournament win, is it one tournament win? One tournament win, correct. In five years? Correct. People would, say, people, people would point that out routinely all the time. You know, like, honestly, if he were Joe Smith, People might have treated the Rick Barnes incident differently. You know what I mean? If he were like, like all of it, like Penny absolutely is judged on a double standard. And he, in in a sense that he gets the benefit of the doubt. Oh, yes. And he should. Correct. And he should. Um, That's like we talked about. It's like we talked about last week. Penny Hardaway gets treated differently because he is different. Because he is different. Yeah. But, and I get that everyone thinks they're a subject of great attacks, but. If and it's just the human nature to believe that, but the truth of the matter is, again, I go back to this: not a single media member that I know about, I, I've, I have not heard a single one say, write, indicate, hint that it's time for Penny to go. Every media member is pained by, in a way that's almost eh, maybe lacking some objectivity in pained by the losses. So. Um, so that's, you know, and then in terms of the, 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 the God chosen for this job, like you don't hear most coaches say that. And I think at some places people would roll their eyes at that. Like we have when, when, I don't know who like Reggie White said, God chose him to be a, whatever, to go to Green Bay and people laughed, right? Like, oh yeah, it's weird right. that it lines up it's, with the biggest yeah. contract, Reggie, <laughs> just like, but here's the truth. I don't actually have any 
first of all, Penny's faith is Penny's faith. And it's not for me to question or to, or to get in the way of or roll my eyes at. any. And it, secondly, I really do believe that And Penny, at, at the Southern Heritage Classic luncheon, not this past year, but the year before, Penny explained this. He really does believe, to his core, that he was fated by a higher power, whether it's God or whatever else, like to take this job. And it goes back to Desmond and his past, coaching middle school, and 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 like, and I think that's powerful. I don't think that's laughable. I think that's powerful. Um, it may not line up with your faith, the listener, whatever. Like your faith may be different than Penny's faith, and that's fine too. I respect that. But um, I didn't find that part of it. I, I, again, I found that part of it to be powerful. There was nothing. The only, the only thing I quibbled with really was this idea of this negativity when it was Penny who literally launched the negativity, like who has been more negative about the team than anyone else. He also said, by the way, which I thought was interesting, what did you make of said? He said, I'm coaching this team. This is my best team, the best team I've coached. I thought that was striking, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't know what to do with that because is there a case that talent-wise this might be collectively his best team? Yeah. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, my first reaction was I kind of pushed back because I, but yeah, I could I, see, I, I could see where you could talk me into a case where he's never had this many players that are this old and, right, and, and this and talented. This talented. Yeah. yeah, the other thing that he said was funny in the course of this, it was later on. He was asked about, you know, after when you made that run, there was something about the David Jones offense. And he said, yeah, this offense was never supposed to be all about David. He just made it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, that, that, to me, that was one of the most honest things that was said in the press conference. One of the most, uh, one of the most sort of revealing and honest things in the press conference was that, um, that David Jones made this offense all about him. He said, I, I love him for it. I love him like a son, so I don't mind. But um, I, thought that was, I thought that was fascinating. Anyway. Um, they win, they survive uh, for another day, and we will talk about it more, I'm sure, as the week goes on. Temple is next. As for the Grizzlies... Um, well, one last thing. The only, yeah. the only like, big picture thing, like, if you want to talk about, like, what do I quibble with most? Yeah. Didn't that feel a little mission accomplished, George W. on the aircraft carrier? Well... Like, I, I understand he, 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 the, the need for the win, but it almost felt like, like, that's the speech that you would give, like, after, like... You know, like they got they got into the tournament. Well, it was a little bit. There's no question. This could be cold takes exposed. You know, like right. <laughs> like, like if yeah, told like told you the problems were solved. Like ah. right, yeah. We we had a slump. It's over. Whatever else. I, I mean, I think that's kind of kind of put the positive spin on it. He said in the last nine eight minutes, we played like a top ten team, and obviously his hope is that um, that that last eight minutes will be representative of what they play like in every eight-minute period going forward, right? And um, I think that's probably unlikely because, again, I think a lot of it was David Jones taking over, which is a lot, you know, I, I, is that, I don't know, like, is that the... I don't know, how, how repeatable is that? I don't know. Yeah, you know, he, so, um, anyway, it was a fascinating day, and thank God it ended uh, the way it did. And I'm sorry, honestly, we can't take calls because I'd like to, 
I'd like to uh, hear what some thought of all of that, both the game and the uh, and the stuff that and Penny's comments afterwards. Uh, we will have to do that another day. In the meanwhile, the Grizzlies uh, again it's trade deadline week. Um, and I get the sense that people really still are struggling with the Stephen Adams thing. I got people writing me just disappointed. And and so I, I got one email saying, I really think the Grizzlies, you know, gave their fans a raw deal by trading Stephen Adams. It's been a tough year, whatever else. And I just wrote back and explained, as disappointed as they were, people had the exact same reaction to the Stephen Adams trade as they did when they acquired Stephen yeah, Adams. Yeah, no, I completely agree, trade. yeah. You know, and, and I hate to say it, life goes on. One of the nice things about, about the NBA is you're allowed to get attached to players. You're Like, even Stephen Adams was here longer than a lot of college players will be, right? You're allowed to get attached to players, and that's great. But there is not a... I mean, Stephen Adams has been here longer than everyone on the Tigers roster except for what, Jaden and, and Malco? The Warriors play into the pay into the second apron like but just not many teams can like and, and no one expects them to like no one expects them to i thought it was really interesting when taylor jenkins though was being asked about this and he talked about getting a, a steven adams type of player you know the need for like oh we'll play we'll play Jaren a little more at five whatever else and and then we need someone who does the steven adams type of things i don't have the word like it's very yeah. clear like they want Stephen. They would have preferred to have Stephen Adams. You know, they are going to go out and try to find someone who does the stuff that Stephen Adams did for a cheaper price. Like that's what they're going to do, and that's what they have to do. And I don't blame them for that at all. I also don't blame them for losing to the Celtics last night with eight players, four of whom were not on the team a month ago. I, it's just incredible. Well, and then on top Absolutely. of that, one of them got in foul trouble in like four minutes. Right. Yeah. And so you had so you had Luke and David Roddy. Uh, neither one starters, uh, uh, you know, on a healthy Grizzlies team, uh, as your as your um, as your regular Grizzlies who suited up, um, and then you had you know Gigi Jackson and Gilliard and uh, and Hurt and uh, Scotty Pippen. That was just incredible, absolutely incredible, um, what they are forced to field now um, with this with this group. Um, and so they lose two over the weekend, and it's like, really, like, do you? There, there's nothing to say other than about it. But my God, what an injury report, right? Yes, I mean, I, I, I having watched both games, you know what my other thought was in the uh, the second half of the of the Celtics game. Well, at least this game's like flying by. Like it felt like there was very few, very few whistles. It felt like everyone kind of knew, like, all right, let's get out of here. Well, and the and the and the Celtic fans did a great job. Um, yeah, they, they, it was a nice Mark. honor. Like, yeah. The nice honor for Marcus Smart. It was a deafening applause, and um, and I look forward to the day when Marcus Smart can actually play for the Grizzlies. We can play for the Grizzlies again. I think Marcus Meanwhile, does too. It's pretty. It's been pretty good from the reverse standings um, front. They put a little space between Atlanta and Brooklyn, um, in as they chase down the draft pick um, that may come in handy as they try to replace Stephen Adams. So I'm sure you'll talk more about the uh, trade deadline. Uh, the Stephen Adams trade and all of that with both Dan Devine, who is coming up next, and then Chris Harrington, who will join us straight up at 10 o'clock, and then I will be back after that. Uh, before then, let me tell you that if you're selling your house, I was actually reading a piece in the Daily Memphian today about about real estate and how 
there's just not enough houses on the market. Like there's there's not enough houses on the market for one reason or another. So it's a it is in fact a great time to sell your house. And no better person to get in touch with than Josh Heisa at 901-461-8147. 901-461-8147. Josh sells the mid south.com. I've told you all the people that I've talked with and um, who've had their personal experience um with Josh, but you can pop on over to Google and you'll see more than 300 five-star reviews. He's got flexible fees. Um, and, 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 and here's a little tell, let you out of the contract at any time. He can do that because he has confidence in his ability to sell your house because he has confidence in his marketing. He has confidence in his deep roots in the area. Again, um, if you are selling your house, I would urge you to get in touch with Josh Heisa, 901-461-8147. Josh sells the Mid-South. Got to take a break. Back in a moment, it's Jeff Gawkins Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Big game coverage on 92.9 FM ESPN is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. Solostove.com. There's going to be a lot of uh, gambling um, this week. There is all the time across America, and most people have fun with it. But some people struggle. About 5% of the people who do gamble um, struggle with it. Too much money, too much emotional investment, whatever it is. And if you are one of those folks or if uh, you love someone or know someone who is one of those folks, I recommend the Gambling Clinic. The Gambling Clinic right there over at the University of Memphis has been around since 1999. They've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, come to grips with the impact of gambling in their lives. What they do is they set up 10 to 12 individual appointments with an expert trained in helping um, folks get over their gambling or, or uh, fit their gambling into their lives or stop gambling altogether. It is the gambling clinic. They're not anti-gambling. They just are anti-negative uh, impact um, for gambling. Be in touch. Check them out at thegamblingclinic.com. One of the most influential metal bands of all time. For the fans, for the brothers, for legacy. Pantera. This Saturday, FedEx Forum with special guest, Lamb of God. On sale now at LiveNation.com. Pantera, live in concert. Getting your biggest tax refund from Jackson Hewitt can lead to some spirited reactions. Jackson Hewitt, yeah! Jackson Hewitt is so sure that you'll get your biggest refund that if they don't, you get your money back plus a hundred bucks. Jackson Hewitt, yeah! And Jackson Hewitt also guarantees the accuracy of your return for life. So don't just sit there. For your biggest refund guaranteed, walk into a Jackson Hewitt today and dance out Jackson Hewitt, yeah! Hey everyone, it's Joe Montana. Spreading the word about pneumococcal pneumonia, a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can be life-threatening. If you're 65 or older like me, you're at increased risk. So, what's the game plan? A strong defense. 
Pneumococcal pneumonia can strike at any time in any season, so you shouldn't wait to help protect yourself. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist about vaccination today and learn more at knownemonia.com. That's K-N-O-W pneumonia.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Last year at the Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski, you remember, went wide left on Fandle's Kick of Destiny. Now he's back for Kick of Destiny 2. And this time you can play along. All you have to do, choose if Gronk will make or miss. Get your pick right. You'll want to share a $10 million bucks in bonus bets. That's right. That's for new users and existing users. All you have to do is pick whether he will make or miss. Here's what you do. Go to FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. That's the promo code to sign in and win a share of $10 million in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older, present Tennessee, no purchase necessary. $10 million prize pool to be split equally among all eligible participants who made the correct pick. Prize issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem. Call Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. I'm John Morgan of Morgan & Morgan. Today, we're the largest injury firm in the world, and I'm thankful to you for trusting us all these years. We'll always be here for the people, not the powerful. We'll always be here for you. Morgan & Morgan. Visit ForThePeople.com for an office near you. Hard work and dreams lead to success, but easily filing your taxes with TurboTax and Credit Karma doesn't hurt either. Make filing taxes a walk in the park, because we'll pre-fill your info for you so you can file quickly and confidently. Winner. Get the peace of mind that comes with expert help. Let's go! Being powered by TurboTax means you're backed by the leading tax preparer. And we'll show you all your filing options up front so there are no surprises. File your taxes on Intuit Credit Karma today. Expert help not available with all products. Guarantee details available at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. The Wing Guru, serving up 21 flavors of lip-smacking goodness. Whole wings, party wings, boneless wings, and more. Served just the way you like them and smothered in our award-winning sauces. Order online and pick up in the stores or stop in and stay a while. The Wing Guru. Valentine's is coming. Hey, it's Eric Hasseltine. Are you looking for the most thoughtful, most romantic gift for the one you love this Valentine's? Two words for you. Genesis Diamonds. Maybe it's a simple pendant or an exquisite one-of-a-kind designer ring. Genesis can help you pick out the most memorable and special piece of jewelry for the occasion. And to make it even sweeter, now tell Valentine's whether you spend $199 or $199,000, Genesis will give you some chocolates, fresh flowers, and dinner out at no charge. This is a great deal, guys. It's a one-stop ultimate Valentine's experience. When you buy any piece of beautiful jewelry, they will give you beautiful flowers, some delicious chocolates, and a gift card for dinner at Restaurant Iris. So stop waiting time. Get to Genesis Diamonds. They've got a spectacular collection of memorable romantic gifts from $199 all the way to $199,000. And right now, they're going to throw in chocolates, flowers, and dinner out at no extra charge. Happy Valentine's Day from Genesis Diamonds on Poplar at Perkins Extended. Hey, sports fans. This is Jay Gaddis from James Gaddis Jewelers, reminding you that Valentine's Day is almost here, and there is no substitute for beautiful jewelry. We have a great selection of designer lines, estate and vintage items, and gold and silver jewelry to fit any budget and complement any style. Give the gift of diamonds, the universal symbol of eternal love, and make this Valentine's Day one she will never forget. Located near the corner of Hall on Poplar Avenue in East Memphis, James Gaddis Jewelers, your Valentine's Day jeweler. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hey, you're up next. Ugh, my throat hurts so bad. There's no way I can sing tonight. Here, try these. Vicks Cool Drops. Yeah, Vicks Cool Drops has maximum strength menthol with a rush of Vicks Vapors. Ooh, I can already feel it. I told you. So, you ready? I'm ready. Please welcome to the stage. Vaporize sore throat pain fast with Vicks Cool Drops. From the team that brought you Amy Poehler's Say More with Dr. Sheila comes the comedy podcast, The Chris Chapman Do-Over, starring Ike Barinholtz as controversial shock jock Chris Chapman, who returns to the airwaves after being canceled. This is your boy, Chris Chapman. My old show was a victim of a little thing called cancel culture, and I vowed to take a long break and really reflect. But I'm here to announce I'm back better than ever. The improvised Chris Chapman Do-Over is an Odyssey and Paper Kite production starring Ike Barinholtz as Chris Chapman. Listen on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I just saw that the Majestic Grill was voted the best place to hold a rehearsal dinner. Didn't surprise me at all. The Majestic Grill is historic, it's elegant, it's right there on Main Street, and it has an attentive staff and spectacular food. So the Majestic Grill is not only a great place for a rehearsal dinner, it's a great place for any private or group event. If you're interested, contact the Majestic Grill on their website, and their dedicated events manager will be in touch. It's the Majestic Grill, and it's the place for rehearsal dinners and everything else. Right downtown at 145 Main. Jeff's guests appear on the Frame Corner phone line. Make your Valentine feel special at Frame Corner with 60% off ready-made frames for Valentine's Day. For all your sports memorabilia, live from the Genesis Memphis Covington Pike Studios, now on 92.9 FM ESPN. Today's special guest host, Jeffrey Wright. Dan Devine is the senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. He's the host of the Divine Intervention Podcast, as well as the No Cap Ring Podcast. Follow him on Twitter on X at your man Divine. Dan rejoining us for week number two. First, want to just thank you as someone who has an aging dog. Uh, your story over at yourmandivine.com on on your your fallen soldier. It, it hit home, buddy. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, shouts out to Luger, the premium boy. Uh, yep. If you, if you, if anyone takes anything away from the thing that I wrote there, it's just like maybe it's it stinks the the on the outside of it, the the end part of it. But don't be afraid to go out there and uh, rescue an older dog. They can uh, they can be they can be helpful uh, during the time that you got them. So and it gives you an opportunity to give some love to somebody who needs it. So anyway, yeah, that was uh, that was like rattling around in my head for a couple of months. We lost Luger over the holidays and trying to sort of figure out how to process it all and. Uh, I do that through writing, and one of the things that's cool about those, doing that kind of thing, like it's a non-basketball thing, um, it turns out that a lot of people uh, still care about that kind of stuff, too, and, and it re- relate, people can relate to some of those sorts of things. So sometimes you put yourself out there a little bit, you get a lot back, and that was one of those situations. Yes, I most certainly appreciated it. Okay, so last week when we were talking to you, the Grizzlies had not traded Stephen Adams. They have now traded Stephen Adams. They are now under the second apron, as everyone's getting used to the terms. I guess the first question that I have is, when you were taking a look at it, did it strike you more as a basketball move or a financial move? A financial move, 100%. I mean, uh, all things equal, like the the version of the Grizzlies we have seen was most effective with Steven Adams at the five 
being that kind of rhythm section, laying down the ba- the, the backbeat oh, yeah. for Jaron Jackson Jr., setting the screens that open uh, open up the driving lanes for John Morant and and Desmond Bain, getting them downhill. The, uh, that whole identity of we generate all these extra possessions by pounding the offensive glass, like that's Stephen Adams, you know. So I think all else equal, you'd love to have him be able to to real or if not if not him, obviously you want him at one hundred percent. But you you want to get the opportunity to see if he could be able to get back to that place where he was such an integral part of the team. And it's it's I think on the outside, I'm sure in Memphis, it's it's you know chapter and verse read ad nauseum. But we forget that like. All of those things kind of happened at once. You found out Stephen Adams wasn't coming back, and then the Jaw video right after Brandon Clark. It was like boom, 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 quick succession, and that played such a massive role in the way things, uh, you know, came untethered at the end of last season. I think, but that said, it, you know, if you're looking at it and saying we know that the big three are, are our guys, you know, we've extended all of Jaw, we've ex- uh, Jaw, Jaron, and Desmond, and we've made this deal for Marcus Smart that we haven't gotten really to see what the team we envisioned will look like, but we have a couple of years of runway on that. We know that's a fourth core piece. We've just extended or you know signed to a full-time contract. Vince Williams, we feel like he's a multiple-year piece. We're aiming to get a healthy Brandon Clark back. You've got five or six guys there that are you feel like are sort of stable pieces of what, of what you have going forward. And then you're of that, you know, the bill comes due on three, you know, three big deals like the ones they've got, plus what they've added around it. And you say, where can we, you know, give ourselves some flexibility and some, some breathing room? Uh, moving on from Adams' is expiring deal without taking anything back that couldn't be put into a trade exception, it gives you. It, it, it reduces that luxury tax bill. It gets you under the second apron, as you mentioned, which has all sorts of. If you go, if you are over that, it's got all sorts of limitations on how you can build your team. Like you can't bring somebody back in sign and trade. You're limited in how much money you can. Uh, you know how close the salaries have to be in matching in a deal. You, uh, if you're over there for multiple years, your pick gets dropped to the do- the bottom of the first round. Your pick, your first round pick, gets frozen seven years out, so you can't trade that. Like there's all sorts of team building limitations that come with being over that financial that second apron. And, and so this gives Memphis a little bit more breathing room. And because, like I said, you're able to take back Victor Oladipo's contract into the disabled player exception that you created for John Morant, um, you didn't actually spend anything. You know, you, you're sending out a big salary without taking anything back, technically speaking, which creates another big trade exception. And if you're looking for, you know, another mid-level exception type of guy, I can make $11, $12 million. Uh, you can go shopping on the market where maybe you wouldn't have previously been able to because of what you're spending. So I know that's all boring to, uh, chattel, but like that's the, that's I think that's what you're looking at there. It's this is a way that we can you know, allow ourselves to regroup, give ourselves a couple of more avenues to add talent when we feel like the market's gonna be uh, you know gonna bear it out, and there might be some more players out there for us to go target. Uh, and it's a you know a a calculated, measured retreat during what has become a, a difficult and kind of lost season. Yeah, I mean to me like. I agree with everything you said there. I still think the larger question is, okay, so what are they doing at the five next year? Because it still seems unlikely to me that your starting front court is Jaron and Brandon Clark. We've seen it before. Like in the Minnesota playoff series a couple years ago, it was pretty effective. We've seen it before at times, and it works, but they've never really loved the idea of doing it, you know, consistently. And then further, if you're – you know, if your if your perimeter is going to be John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Marcus Smart, I mean, you're talking about a pretty small team there. Which was always baked in a little bit. 
the smart move. I mean, yeah. I, the, it, that was, the, you know, we're talking about, you know, you're, you're making moves maybe a little bit reactive as opposed to proactive, and that was one where, all right, well, you're, you're waiting to hear what the discipline situation is going to be. Or, or actually, at that point, you actually knew. But, like, you know you're going to be without Jaw for, you know, at least a third of the season, and you also know that, that Dylan's going to be out the door in free agency. How do we square that circle? What are we, you know, what's our best reaction to those set of circumstances? Marcus Smart becomes a pretty solid fallback position, kind of checking two boxes. But it does leave you with you know yeah six four whatever six four six five and six three or whatever it is across the perimeter and that's you know that can be untenable. Smart of course can defend up you know across positions. It doesn't be as strong as an ox etc. But yeah, you, you do want another sort of firm uh, like significant size five back there. Um, so yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think the what what happens over the course of this next week with uh, with Xavier Tillman is going to be interesting to me. I know my colleague Jake Fisher had reported to Yahoo Sports last week that there's a lot of interest in Xavier Tillman because of both the, you know just the way he plays, the way he can sort of fit uh, in, into multiple front court configurations, and also he's got an expiring deal. And so there's a question of like, does do, you know, and if Memphis is is open for business now after the Adams deal, do they look to move on from from Xavier Tillman? Is it some Something where, like, maybe there's a pass to Xavier Tillman being uh, that, you know, stopgap option again, you know, sticking around in that role while you then continue to go shopping with, you know, again, the exceptions that we were talking about. Um, or is, you know, is there another name, sort of like, middle, you know, that, that kind of mid-level exception, so around 11 or $12 million, maybe a little north of that, that might shake loose as teams, you know, reconstruct their, their rosters a little bit here. And... Short answer is I don't really know the answer to that question, but I think they, the, the Grizzlies, if, they're, if they have a level of uncertainty about whether Steven Adams could be the answer to that question coming off of, you know, basically like a year and a half fully lost to injury, uh, you know, as he's getting up there in age after all the miles he's put on that body through the runs in Oklahoma City and in uh, his time in New Orleans at his time in Memphis, if there was some question as to whether he would be able to fully get back to where they wanted him to be, then they were kind of in that boat anyway. So yeah, this at least point. gives them some more flexibility to find that answer and maybe some more avenues through which to add talent. What are some of the other things you're watching for this week, deadline-wise? I think one big thing is just, like, is there any big name to yeah. move, right? I mean, so at this point now we've got, uh, you know, Zach Levine opted to have the surgery, so he's off the market. So that's one all-star sort of off the, you know, off the board. Um, you've got you know, DeJounte Murray. There's been so much smoke around it and trying to you know, identify which team he connects with best or where, you know, uh, is there a, a, a contending team for whom he'd make a big, uh, you know, be a big sort of insurgent or a big surge of, of talent. And it doesn't really seem like those pieces are lining up. There's been a lot of Lakers smoke there, but I mean, that's kind of true. Uh, it seems like every trade deadline, there's a lot of Lakers smoke. Um, I mean, Brooklyn to me is an interesting team just in terms of, I don't know exactly what they're doing or what their, the goal is. I know they're not, a, they're not a particularly good team. They looked a little more functional when they got Ben Simmons back. Then Ben Simmons kind of was dealing, you know, went right back on the injured list. And no way. There's some, yeah, I know. Shocker. Um, there's so, some question as to what, I mean, like, Mikael Bridges, I know, is like if he ever got, if they ever actually put him on the market, he would return a pretty uh, significant package. But I think they want to, even if they don't necessarily believe that he can be the number one guy on their team, they know that he would be a great complementary player when you added talent around him. So they want to, and they and they think the deal that he's got is pretty, uh, you know, market friendly. So then, where do you, you know, which direction do you go? And because there's guys like you know Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal and Spencer Dinwiddie who could be, you know 
could be significant additions for teams that are trying to find like one more rotation level piece for the playoffs, especially a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, where like every team wants and needs the three and D forward who doesn't need a whole lot of touches to be effective, and you know is big enough to scale up and you know, guard big threes, big fours, uh, and you know play play a role. Like there's a reason Luka Doncic never wanted him to leave Dallas, but that was the cost of doing business and getting Kyrie. So I, I think that there are teams that are uh, you know fancy themselves maybe one move away that are trying to figure out what's that right kind of move for us and is there something on the market. I wonder if Brooklyn is a potential partner for a few of those teams. What about a team like Cleveland? Harrington mentioned it because he he went and saw them in person last week. And they have a lot of pieces, but a lot of pieces that are kind of the same. Do you have your eye on them to see if maybe they make a move, maybe to kind of get rid of some crowding and maybe to, to help with the fact that they have a lot of, like, repeat players? See, it's really, it's very interesting to me. I I actually, I uh, talked to uh, Justin Rowan of the the Chase Down podcast, which is like a a Cavs team podcast last week on Divine Intervention, and we kind of went deep on the Cavs because I think that's, it it was a big question to me after they had gone, they had, you know, maybe made their big run up the standings with both Evan Mobley and Darius Garland out. And so my question with that was, did this clarify a little bit, like, one point, you know, smaller point guard, one uh, screen and roll center, like, and then spread it out with shooting all around it? Did this clarify a path forward for Cleveland? Like, if we can be this good with half of that all-star talent, how, you know, what if we flipped that all-star talent for even better complementary pieces? Or, you know, what, is it at least incumbent upon Kobe Altman and that front office to try to figure out what could we get if we put those guys on the market? And Justin's point, I thought, was kind of it's interesting, and I don't know how it's going to bear out, but it was like, you're this good even when you go to the bench and you've got kind of, you don't have that second playmaker, a guy who can, you, know, you where you can keep an all-star point guard on the floor all 48 minutes. You're that good where you don't have 48 minutes of really good rim protection. So I think the goal, or at least the one idea here for Cleveland is more aggressive staggering of those guys. Rather, like, there's going to be, you know, whatever that is, 12, 15 minutes at least uh, per game of them all together, the four, whether it's Jared, Jared Allen, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Darius Garland all together. But now you have basically no minutes where you don't have at least two of them on the floor, and maybe you sort of keep together Mobley and and, uh, and Garland and Allen and Mitchell, and you, you let those then kind of run their own lineups. It's an interesting idea because I don't. It, it, it then pre- presents you the opportunity to not change the way you play, to be stylistically the same across all 48 minutes, and to have like high-end pieces at those bookends for all 48 minutes. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work out, but it's working out pretty pretty well right now. Like they they have not missed a beat since getting those guys back in the lineup. I think nine and one in their last ten, best record in the NBA, best net rating since about mid uh, mid December. And with the other, the way that things are falling in the East, we're like there's the fits and starts of the Doc Rivers regime in Milwaukee, and then Embiid is is down, going to be out for a while in Philadelphia. Um, I feel like, if anything, Cleveland might be more likely to add than, than move in the other direction because I think that they're pretty bullish on what they can do now that they do have all four of those guys back. And then you mentioned the Embiid injury. We don't have a specific timeline. I mean, I don't even think we really know what meniscus surgery he had. The reading that I'm getting is they did the meniscus shaving rather than the repair because it seems to me if they would have done the repair, it's probably going to be out longer But I guess without knowing that information, when you just look at how that impacts the East in general, what are your reactions? 
yeah. I mean, it's, it turns the, the advanced stats, right? So if you, you adjust your offensive and defensive rating for the schedule you've played, uh, you know, how good the offenses and defenses you faced are. Yep. For most of this, for the first, you know, 40, 45 games of the season, it had Philly up there at like the second best team in the in the East, and pretty close, not all that far off from Boston. So even though Milwaukee had a better record, the kind of underlying numbers yeah. loved Philly. And so you look at it, and they went from a team that was arguably the second best team in the East and had a, you know had a puncher's chance in those sorts of matchups to one where. Now you just wonder, like, how do they generate offense when Tyrese Maxey is off the floor now? How do you keep Tyrese Maxey from just getting, you know, ground into a nub by opposing defenses and by Nick Nurse saying, um, the, the best answer I have to this, to this offensive question now is playing my point guard 45 minutes a game, which, right. you know, we know Nick Nurse is, uh, you know, he's amenable to doing. Just ask Fred Van Vliet. Um, so this is like, it's a question now of how do they... Uh, how do they stay afloat as you've got that really tightly packed two through six in the East? Um, it's not just now, now it's just not a matter of getting out of the four seed and into that two, three matchup so that you don't have to deal with Boston until a couple of rounds down. Now it's a question of, can you stay out of the play-in mix? Can you stay up in that six spot? Can you avoid sliding back uh, where you're you know, suddenly dealing with the you know, Miamis and Orlandos of the world down in six, seven, eight, and keep yourself up in that competitive mix? And it also, it, it, it sort of shapes for Philadelphia. Like they were considered to be uh, a team that was like going to be aggressive looking to add because after the James Harden deal, they got all these expiring contracts back, you know, Nick Batum and Marcus Morris and Robert Covington, these mat- uh, K.J. Martin, these matching salaries that would re- look really good coming off somebody else's books at the end of the year, plus a couple of first-round picks. And so the, the thinking was, when you have Embiid at this level and you've got Tyrese Maxey playing like an all-star, you need to go try to get you know, put yourself in the best position to compete with Boston, to compete with uh, Milwaukee, to put yourself at the top of the East. If you don't have Embiid for, you know, who knows, a month, two yeah. months, you know, a month and a half. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.